0: Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday edition of BAM's Radio, our latest wrap-up. Alabama surviving at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And, of course, it was 24-20. to 20. Uh, The Crimson Tide survives against Dirt Neck and Texas A&M. The Aggies come in. They play hard. Uh, you know, they were fortunate to be in the game late, uh, even without Bryce Young, as we all, and I expected this to be the case. Alabama should have won the game, in my opinion, about. You know, thirty to seventeen, you know, thirty-one, thirteen, something like that. Uh, but they let A and M hang around because of four turnovers. To me, it was kind of like a cross between the old Miss game in 2015, where Alabama lost with five turnovers, or even the game they won last year, where LSU was throwing for a chance to win it in the end zone. So Alabama still had a couple of stupid penalties. Of course, you know, I, I think one of the personal foul in Jermaine Burton. He was being messed with and pushed by an AM guy twice before he retaliated, which he shouldn't have done. But of course, the official only saw the retaliation. And then JC Latham got called for an unsportsmanlike. Of course, the guy had been talking junk for two plays, and then Latham just stood over him. I don't like that call personally. I think the rest should let him play. But again, it is what it is. You just got to show more discipline. But I think for the most part, Alabama cut down on their penalties. The turnovers were what kept AM in it and Alabama's kicking game. Will Ryker had an uncharacteristically poor game. Got off to a good start, kicked off well, and made a 50-yarder, but he misses a 47-yarder. And then uh, he misses a 35-yarder, which was stunning. But Alabama finds a way to win it. Uh, I thought the defensive MVP was Terry and Arnold. He played a hell of a game, uh, even though he mistimed his jump on what should have been his second INT. Had his first career INT during the game. Uh, and then I thought offensively, it was Jameer Gibbs. He was tremendous. The running game was good enough. But, again, I thought there were some times that uh, Bill O'Brien didn't play enough to the strength of his quarterback, uh, you know, certainly uh, in his first start, Jalen Milrow. And I thought there that Milrow should have taken off, and he stayed in the pocket too long. But, again, he's a young player. I didn't think it was on him the reason it was close. Uh, I thought, you know, he just needs to protect the ball better. If he does, Alabama still wins it comfortably. And that's the difference between him and Jalen Hurts right now. Jalen was a more accurate passer and protected the ball better. This kid's erratic, but he's a great athlete. And, again, it was just his first start. So they found a way to win it for him, proud for him. And Alabama survives. But they need Bryce Young, no question, winning Knoxville next weekend. Alabama's gone from a 14-point favorite to a 7-point favorite. I do think Bryce will play after this week of rest. I think uh, he took most of the first-team snaps Wednesday and Thursday this week, but he and his father, I think, decided to rest him. That was the final word, and that's why Milro didn't find out until, uh, we, we, uh, you know, until the, yesterday on Saturday morning. So we're going to have to continue to monitor that. But, of course, I've got my two usual cohorts here today. Thomas, wizard Watts and mobile keeping us on the air, giving us his analytics and his thoughts on this result and the impending matchup with unbeaten Tennessee ranked in the top 10 in the country. And then William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93. Uh, of course, he's an in, insider with Alabama football, former national champion and someone uh, who played the game and always brings unique insight and opinions into the conversation. Well, Guys, uh, not as easy as we had hoped. It was a game that went down to the very last play. Alabama survives, very fortunate to do so, uh, especially with some of the late mistakes where they gifted uh, Texas A and a chance to win it. But the bottom line is they found a way. And William, it was not pretty at times, but Alabama survives.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'll uh, step up to the plate and take my first my my first serving of crow. Um, it's not the way I saw the game going at all. Uh, I don't, I don't think I could anticipate Bill O'Brien. Um, and I think for those people that listen to the show, you don't ever hear me going after the coaches very often, but I just thought that was an abysmal plan. Um, I felt like he spent too much time trying to make Jalen Milrow fit into what he wanted to do, uh, versus what Jalen Milrow could do effectively. Um, you know, the, the play that we talked about last Sunday that should have been run about 10 times, um, it was run once for a 10 yard touchdown, the scene pass to Cameron Latu. you know, it's, it's one of the easiest plays to execute in football, got no answer for. Um, and if it was run another time, I haven't had a chance to see the replay and I, I got into such a deep state of depression last night. I, I may have just missed it. Um. You know, I thought the defense. Um, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit different than Drew. Um my my M V P on defense was Brian Branch. No
2: uh yeah, I don't no have no slight deterry
1: no 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 slide to carry on Arnold whatsoever. I, you know, that kid just him and Kool-Aid both. You know, they just keep getting better and better each week. Um, you know, no shame in uh um, you know, having some trouble with Evan Stewart. That guy's gonna be a superstar if A and M can ever come up with a a quarterback to get him the ball consistently, but, uh, you know, on offense, um, you know, and I've tried to rationalize this in my mind. Um, I was going to give it to the offensive line and albeit be it. I'm not going to hang all four sacks, uh, at the feet of the offensive line, but, you know, the, the, you know, the second outstanding ground performance in a row by a unit that I think, you know, keeps growing, uh, on a weekly basis he had 288 last night uh but yeah i've got to go with gibbs as well especially with the way he was able to come back with that dinged up sh- shoulder um but you know it's it, there's really not a whole lot i think you can say about it drew you you know the the offense kind of shot themselves in the foot and and as a byproduct of that um they put the defense you know on some short fields um and, you know, I think that kind of affected their performance and their stats a little bit. Um, you know, I thought I, I liked seeing, uh, you know, more and more of the leopard, cheetah, whatever the hell they call it, package. It was very effective. Um, you know, maybe not from a statistical standpoint with sacks, but, but they certainly pressured the quarterback. I think they had him on the verge of tapping out in the fourth quarter. But, you know, tip your hat to him. He um, you know, showed some mental toughness and played his way, you know, through some type of lower leg injury. You can see him limping badly at the end of the game. But uh, you know, I, I think that's just one of those games um that that, you know, at the end of the day you're just lucky to survive in advance and you know they've got a they got a tough chore in my opinion to where they're going to wander off to on the Tennessee River this coming Saturday and I'm damn sure not predicting a blowout this week y'all are not going to talk me into it
0: (laughs) yeah I understand no doubt about it um you know it I and I I would agree with a lot of what you're saying I thought Branch was really good too and the funny thing is I I had the chance to talk to both Terry on and Branch after the game and I asked Branch about Mo, Larry, Curley, and Shemp calling the pass interference on him in the end zone, and you know, there's 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 been talk that he held the guy. I haven't seen it, but I asked, you know, Branch, what he what happened, and he said that really, honestly, the tight end, they were, it was a it was a middle route, and they were going to the tight end. He goes, and he pushed off on me. He said, really, he did it a couple of times. He said it sucked. That they took jb's interception away he said he felt like they played it good he wasn't in agreement with the call and then i asked terry on about the duck that he didn't intercept you know at the 38 yard line and he was very honest very articulate young man he just said look you know i looked at haynes and i thought surely he's not gonna throw it and then he was like oh my lord he's throwing it and he said honestly i just mistimed my jump and then Stewart made a great play because that should have been picked off. But Alabama was fortunate to survive. I think Branch, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. He was tremendous in the game, too. Uh, you know, he made a really big play for a tackle for loss earlier in the game. Very good open field tackle. It was huge having him back. Uh, I think the secondary is just getting better. I agree with William. Uh, I think they're well coached. I thought Dallas Turner had another strong performance. Uh, will Anderson got eight pressures but no sacks. That's hard to believe, but he was coming hard. He came close, to, and and I will say this. If anybody on this podcast, and I think I'd, y'all be in agreement with me, thinks that Will Anderson wasn't held on some of those, I got some swamp land for dirt neck in Arizona, which will probably be his next coaching stop after he's fired in two years at A&M for not winning enough games. I mean, they got away – they can talk about what Alabama got away with, but A&M got away with some stuff, uh, you know, during – all night. And, again, I think Alabama, they've got to have nine to win in Knoxville. If they do, I think they can win the game, and I think they can win it a 45-27 type deal. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, Tennessee's going to score. Uh, They're they're just – they're potent offensively. Um, I think in this kind of climate of football – I can't expect Alabama to hold Tennessee to something like seventeen points. I mean, uh, even with the athletes Alabama's got, uh, I think that they hold them in the twenties. That Bryce can develop or can direct this offense uh, to in the to something in the high thirties, lo- mid forties. Um, you know, I I think Bryce is that important. Uh, certainly, I thought Alabama was too one dimensional, and I don't disagree with William. I think if they had called some. Or speed, you know, uh, you know, just give you, give, give get, put guys in motion, uh, do some speed sweep stuff, eye candy like Gus Malzahn used to do, put guy, you know, put guy, put guys on the move. I think it would have helped Milrow. Probably would have helped me be able to throw the ball down the field because you got to take into account uh, Burton in motion or Gibbs. Uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, you know, I, I so I think there's some things that Bob could have done better. I didn't think it was a horrible game plan, but I didn't like as many uh, you know, drop back passes of the 19 that he got because he's just not a guy that can do that. He's erratic. He needs to get rid of the ball as fast as possible, and I thought he was thinking too much at times. Uh, but, again, uh, they found a way to win. I'll give him credit for that. One good thing is I don't think Alabama got anybody hurt seriously now. they, We did not know they were going to be without Jalen Moody. He had a bruised kidney, so – I thought Deontay Lawson did a good job but they'll have Moody back next week, which is going to be huge. And I'll be shocked if Bryce is not back next week. And I think he's the key to the whole drill because he gives you balance. He helps get the wide receivers involved. And I think, you know, he can definitely do that. And I think Alabama should be able to be balanced and run the ball and throw it. But I will say this too, William, and I want to go back to you about this because, you are an offensive lineman and you played with several really good backs and sometimes backs get hot and you just have to kind of feed the guy that's feeling it. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Certainly Gibbs was, a, was really good again, but I thought when he got nicked up and also when the young man came into the second half, I thought Roy Dell was running like his hair was on fire and he's done that since the Texas game. I didn't think Jace had the juice yesterday. And especially after he fumbled, I thought they should have played Roy Dell the rest of the game and he could have given them a spark. I wondered what you thought about that. Because sometimes you just have to go with the hot hand. And I thought Roy Dell deserved more touches yesterday. No, I, I definitely agree with you about, you know, feeding the guy that's got the hot
1: hand. And, and I, I, don't, I don't begrudge, uh, you know, Jace that fumble whatsoever. I mean, that was a perfect – you know, strike to the football with a helmet. You know, that's that's kind of just you know one of those deals that uh, the, the luck just wasn't on his side for that particular thing. And um, but yeah, man, it's it, I, I like Roy Dale. I think he does you know run the ball with his hair on fire. And uh, you know, going back to what you know you were saying, so I can clarify you know my take on the game plan. Um, you know, and this is pulling a play from over 30 years ago out of Homer Smith's, uh, playbook, but it it was so simple, but so effective and nobody, as long as the quarterback executed it properly. Um, and it wasn't a hard read. Um, but you know, we had a, uh, you know, an outside zone running play where the offside guard would pull and, you know, get out in front of the back and lead block. Well, you know, then, then he had a passing play off of it where the offside guard pulled, and the quarterback would roll out. It would get the quarterback into a moving pocket, basically out into the flat. And, you know, he would flood the, the play side of the field with the running back kind of deep in the flat, uh, the tight end dragging off, you know, dragging across the middle, and then a wide receiver running a deep out route. And it was a real simple read for the quarterback if that outside linebacker dropped into coverage, he would give you a go call and, you know, you would turn into the lead blocker for the quarterback and he would take off and run. But nine times out of 10, they would blow the coverage. And it was three simple throws, whichever one the quarterback, you know, found to open. Um, and so that, that's what I wanted to see last night was, you know, construct the running game where you can have some uh, play action passing but not necessarily out of the pocket, um, you know, a, a, a drop back pocket, move that pocket around, give that guy, um, you know, a chance to use his feet and make reads, even though they're simple reads. Um, but that, that to me was my biggest takeaway offensively, um, you know, defensively, um, you know, I think they, they held Texas A&M to I think 70 yards rushing um, you know, King was able in the second half to complete some nice passes to. Uh, um,
0: Stewart. Uh, yeah,
1: Stewart. Yeah, sorry. And, uh, you know, that that's going to happen when you've got a, a guy that's that electric. I know he's just a true freshman, but he's going to end up being a, a really good player if, if they can get the supporting cast around him. Um, so, you know, and and I, you can't play what if. But, you know, the the you know, the offense wasn't converting third downs. The defense was on the field more than they should have been, you know, getting over there and getting your feet underneath you. And, you know, the next thing you know, there's been a fumble or an interception. Um, you know, I, I just don't think the coaching staff, you know, did their best job of, of putting those players, especially offensively, um, into a position where they could be successful. I mean, Jalen Milrow, um, you know, may never be a drop back quarterback that, that you know, can make four or five reads, uh, but he's certainly not one right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to bring Thomas Watts into the uh, conversation. Thomas, uh, what were your biggest takeaways from the 24 to 20 uh, close victory
2: in Bryant-Denny Stadium,
0: eight out of 10 now over the Texas ATM Aggies?
2: Well, what is it about the state of Texas this year that is Alabama's kryptonite? But joking aside, you talk about the anatomy of a funky game and what has gotten Alabama beaten in the past. Tons of turnovers happened. Special teams being kind of meh, happened. Six points left on the field with, with two missed kicks. Now, that doesn't mean that Will Reichard's a bad kicker or any other nonsense like that, but he had an off game. And really, that catch that Evan Stewart made on that last drive, you got to have have to have a couple of those to beat Alabama in most cases. I mean, look at the the Clemson last second win over Alabama. There are at least two plays on that final drive where you look back and it's like, that's the most unbelievable catch I've ever seen. And it's only less unbelievable because they followed it up with an even better one shortly <laughs> thereafter. So all the ingredients were there, and the team found a way to win. I do think – if there's a criticism to be leveled at Bill O'Brien, it's that Bill O'Brien is going to do what Bill O'Brien's going to do, regardless of personnel in many cases. We've seen either a refusal or a reluctance to almost customize a game plan. Like Alabama's going to do the Alabama offense is going to be my NFL offense with some Nick Saban flavor thrown in. And when it works, it's spectacular when it doesn't, it's just scream inducing. So I, you know, I think Bill O'Brien has some culpability, but at the same time, you know, we talked about the third and two play call and the thing about it is, yes, the play ended up working out very poorly, but Kobe Prentice was open out of that stack, which is exactly what you want. And so, you know, there's there's a little of column A, a little of column B. But, I, you know, the other thing was Alabama really went into a shell after all those turnovers. And I would never have agreed with this notion of almost like playing not to lose. And it just really – it didn't snowball in Alabama, but it never really got back on track. I thought Jameer Gibbs was the shining star again. And at the end of the day, onward we go. So, you know, that's offensively. When you're talking about the defense, look, I am frankly shocked at how well Haynes King played. I didn't think he was a very good quarterback. When he was the a and starter – he left much to be desired. And on several occasions, he dug him out of trouble. Now, having said that, if he airmails one more throw from inside the tackle box into the first row and there's no uh, intentional grounding called, I, I I might have to leave the room because that was kind of his second best play throughout the game. So, I mean, overall... I thought the the defense played well. The defense was put in some bad spots and was able to stand up. And the offense is not going to be efficient enough should Bryce Young be out for any more extended period. I I think it's telling that the line for Alabama-Tennessee has gone down seven points over the past week. I think that explains public perception. I don't know if that perception is reality, but I think that explains public perception. And, you know, onward we go. I think Alabama fans, and I'll, I'll include myself in this, we were very much so spoiled by the past couple of years of offense. The 2020 offense was unbelievable. The 2021 offense wasn't too bad either. So anytime Alabama's offense has some fits and starts for whatever reason, it turns ugly I mean Drew you're in a several fan groups I'm in several fan groups the amount of negativity coming out of the fan base was was toxic during the game last night and that's unfortunate but you know it is to understand why is to look back on the past but you know just to finish the point you're going to ask me about Tennessee here in a minute And instead of, this is why Alabama will win by four touchdowns, I've got to shade it the other way and say, why is this game going to stay close? Because I'm kind of like William. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This is the second Texas team I thought Alabama would decisively beat. And it was a win that was anything but decisive. Now, one more thing, and then I promise I'll kick it back to you. How much different does this Texas Longhorns team look with a healthy Quinn Ewers? That team could win the Big 12. So that that game might that one point win might look a little bit different as the season continues, Drew. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it.
0: No question. I mean, it's going to be the biggest challenge of the year because just how good Hinton Hooker is, I mean, I've been a big fan of his. I've said it in the preseason. I thought he was one of the top two QBs, and uh, I think Tennessee's defense has improved now. It's still no great shakes, and they didn't take on a great offensive opponent. I mean, LSU's a train wreck. I mean, the fumble on the first play of the game by Besh, and then you know just the mistakes overall. They've got a quarterback now. In Milrow's defense, I mean, I thought he looked better than Jaden Daniels. I thought he played well. He just got to protect the football, you know, considering the positions they put him in. uh, But I think it's a good learning curve for him. I thought he was very well spoken in the interviews. I've already mentioned. I thought Milrow wore it and and talked about some of the mistakes he made, but then thought he did some good things. And he got the win. Now they just got to get Bryce Young healthy. And, Leo, I wanted to bring you back into the conversation. I think he, he nearly played Saturday. He and his father decided otherwise, but I've got to believe with two full weeks to rest, he'll be ready to go. I don't know, you know, as far as if he'll be a completely 100%, but I got to believe Bryce Young is going to be in the lineup on Saturday in Nealon Stadium. Yeah, I,
1: I think they did a good job of, you know, protecting him from himself this past week by practicing him, but, you know, not letting him throw. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that – um in an absolute emergency situation, I'm I'm not convinced that he couldn't have gone last night. Um, You know, if if you're looking for some positives um, from last night's game, I can give you three of them. Um, Tyler Steen and J.C. Latham were in the process of becoming very, very good SEC offensive tackles in every facet of offensive tackle play, both as run, run blockers and pass blockers. And, I, you know, I, I finally reached the decision um, after two games in a row um, that I, I just don't see how the staff can go back to Dow Court after what McLaughlin has done two weeks in a row. Um, yeah, I think that was another really good game by him. Um, you know, the the running game just seems to click um, you know, better when he's at center. Um and and so, you know, those are some of the you know the positive takeaways. I you know, there again, I hate to jump back to being negative. You know, Drew, we talked about this last Sunday. Um, and maybe I missed it, but I didn't see Nye Black targeted a single time last night. I saw him in the game, but yeah. I didn't see any I didn't see any you know, major efforts to get him involved.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, You know, you talked about Latou. I think he was only targeted like two or three times. He caught the one for a touchdown. And then Nye Black was in there. He threw a key block uh, to spring them down the sidelines on a catch one time. But you're right. I don't think he was targeted any. Uh, now, I think it was a little difficult because the receivers had trouble getting out of press man. And Milrose struggles, you know, throwing the ball. Now, I didn't mind Milrose interception, William. That was third and long. It was like a punt. I didn't think that was a disaster. Uh, he just tried to make a play. If the guy catches it, it's first down. If been a pass interference, that's another good thing. If he, And if it's not the end of the world, it's picked off. So, I just was bothered by the fumbles. I know Jace was second and third effort. I, I understand that. But I, wish, I still wish he could have hung on high and turned the ball tight. But, again, it's one of those things he got hit from behind. And then Milrose got to feel that pressure and take off. But I think both those things can be worked on, uh, no doubt about it. But certainly, Bill Rowe would be taking a knife to a gunfight against Tennessee because they would load the box like A&M. And I don't think they're as good as A&M on defense, but they could slow Alabama down. And that's where Alabama needs to have balance. Uh, they need to get Bryce Young back. I think they will. I'll be surprised if he's not. And then it's a huge challenge, but it's one that you kind of live for. And because Alabama struggled with Texas ATM, there's going to be a lot of doubters. There's going to be a lot of people throwing shade at them. And, and I think that will motivate them, hopefully. Uh, certainly, I think Alabama is still going to have a good team. They're still going to, you know, have, uh, you know, I, most of their guys back, especially if they get Moody back. Uh, I think a boy be still going to be out. I kind of hope they medically redshirt him. And I, we, Tyler Harrell practiced all week, didn't get in the game. I'm. Getting, I want to see him and Aaron Anderson in the game because I'm not a Trayshawn Holding guy. I think after his boy Bryce leaves the NFL, he could go into the portal for all I care. I don't. Leary hasn't done anything, so to me, I want to see some of these other younger guys and continue to see more of the young wide receivers and even Latou, He's been struggling with blocking, hadn't caught the ball consistently. But again, we don't, Alabama doesn't have a lot of depth at tight end, so he's still going to be out there. But I just think they need to clean up their mistakes and get Bryce back, and they can have a really good team. I think Milroe is the kind of guy that needs to be a slot. I'd love to see him with the ball in his hands. He can track one, just be a load for someone, and then play Wildcat QB. I just think he limits you too much from a passing game perspective when he's in there. So uh, I admire him for gutting it out. Uh, but I just, I'd like to see Alabama go to Ty Simpson next year. I don't think they will this year. He's got to learn. Uh, and hopefully they'll get Bryce back because, you know, William, I think Mississippi State has improved a lot since they lost LSU. I think LSU's kind of plateaued, and I think Tennessee drilled them. But and Tennessee's playing really good football. Josh Hype will give him a lot of credit. But I still like this matchup for Alabama. But they have to have nine in the game under center to win it because he can provide the balance this Alabama offense needs.
1: Well, I mean, and yeah, I, I I really think Mississippi State's improved, but I'm a little bit shocked that nobody's giving the Lane train any more love uh, than he's getting. Yeah, I think he's twenty-one and eight right now, and um, in, in you know halfway through his third season at Old Miss. He's got uh, six and zero right now. You know, in the top ten, um, you know, got several winnable games still left on his schedule, including this weekend versus Auburn. Um, you know, he, he seems to have kind of, I, I think done a really good job of, of constructing his offensive philosophy around the players that he has on the roster. And I think I heard yesterday during the Vandy game, he's got 40, 43 first year players on that roster. And I think he almost has a perfect 250 to 245, you know, passing versus rushing yards per game right now. So, um. You know, that guy's going to be up for every big job in the country that comes open. Obviously, I'm sure Auburn hopes that they can uh, lure him down there. But, you know, I, I never would have said this. And I, I know um, we're talking about several years, hopefully longer than shorter down the road. But I would have never said two or three years ago that I wanted him on the short list when Coach Saban decides to retire. But I'm starting to slowly get there. Um But anyway, enough of my old mis-tangent. You know, going back to Tennessee, you know, I think Heifel's done a really good job, um, you know, kind of taking a broken program. Um, You know, I think it's almost going to be similar to what whoever gets that Auburn job has to do. I mean, they've got to change the philosophy, um, you know, the culture around that program. And, you know, he's done that up to this point. Scared a lot of people last year, you know, got that big road win, um, you know, down in Baton Rouge yesterday. And, you know, and I think they're going to be a formidable opponent up there. I mean, I, I, I have no way of looking into a, a crystal ball and, and knowing whether, you know, the coaching staff is going to let Bryce try and extend plays with his feet. Um, you know, if they're going to tell him if it's not there on the first, second or third read, just throw it to me on the sideline. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of things in play that we can't really account for, um, you know, just like we couldn't account
0: for the four turnovers, uh, you know, versus Texas A&M. Yeah, that's true. And the the turnovers were the huge part of it in the off game from Will Reichert. You know, so I think, uh, you know, the the key of the focus is going to be getting nine healthy for this game. And Tennessee's a very formidable opponent, uh, certainly – I still think George is the best team, but certainly right now Tennessee's earned the right to be second. Uh, we see how good Kentucky is without Will Levis. They lose by 10 uh, in, at home to South Carolina, so uh, they're back to you know being a, a solid program, but they're once again they're not a contender, a serious one uh, for the SEC. Florida is a is a good team, not great, uh, you know. So. I still think we're, we're we're figuring out who the elite teams are, and it's going to be a crazy environment in Neyland, uh, even crazier than the Florida game. And they they were hungry to beat Florida, but they're even hungry to beat Alabama, and they've got Alabama and Georgia uh, to play. So uh, they're going to be extremely excited about both those matchups and trying to you know be a true contender in the SEC East. I'm still not as convinced that they are, but we'll see. And so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of matchup this uh, this ends up being. And, uh, and, and, and Thomas, I'll bring you back into the convo. Um, I still think that, you know, defensively, especially in the back end, Tennessee lacks a lot. Uh, LSU is so one-dimensional, and they've got a quarterback issue there. Uh, they have talented receivers, but they don't have a very good front, don't have very good running backs. And Alabama is, I still think, playing pretty well up front. Uh, and we know how what Gibbs is doing, just need to, you know, get some of these, a couple of these other backs going. Jace couldn't really get it going yesterday, and I thought Roy Dell needed more playing time. Williams already been in agreement on that, but uh, going to be interesting to see uh, how Bill O'Brien attacks Tennessee.
2: And that's really the open question. Uh, I think when I give you picks, I'm going to give you my Jalen Milroe score and my Bryce Young score because. Right. You're really talking about two very different offensive attacks and very different defensive looks that Alabama will receive based on their starting quarterback. But when you look at this Tennessee team, they're last in the SEC in pass defense. Now, part of that was Anthony Richardson was throwing the ball all over the place in that Florida-Tennessee game. But then even Jaden Daniels had a good game yesterday. And let's properly contextualize that game. LSU's offensive line was not very good when healthy. LSU lost two of their starters, one before the game, and then I believe one during the game. So what was a bad unit suddenly had backups come in. And that really sunk the Tigers. They couldn't run the ball very effectively. But Jaden Daniels still was able to do some things. The thing is, you know, I think that the questions that this Alabama offense needs to answer come around, how do they score 35 points? Because I think Tennessee can get to 30, even on Alabama's defense. But how does this Alabama offense score 35 points? You know, you're going to get Jameer Gibbs. I think the Alabama offensive line has rounded into a fairly uh, – a solid overall unit an excellent pass blocking group and a running as a run blocking group continues to round into form, but it really comes down to what quarterback is it and can Bill O'Brien give a Jalen Milrow the plays necessary to keep the team on schedule. And that that's, that was one of the things that kind of blew my mind at points last night or in the game in against AM and m is there are times the play calling was almost intentionally trying to get Alabama off schedule. And Milro doesn't have the ability to handle that very effectively in my mind. But when we're talking about this Tennessee defense, Drew, a couple of things are absolutely true. Tennessee has not seen an offense, even with Jalen Milro at quarterback that can do, can do what Alabama can bring to the table Yes, I think Anthony Richardson can be a good athletic quarterback, and Jalen Milrow and Richardson are, roughly alle- are rough allegories to the other. But I think Alabama's got a better line and better skill position players for sure. Now, if Bryce Young's back, buckle up, because the question then becomes, is Tennessee going to be able to score 40? on this Alabama defense because I don't know how this Tennessee defense holds the Alabama offense under 40. But there's so many unknowns that it's hard to talk about. Uh, One thing that we haven't called out that I think deserves a look, William, you did mention the cheetah package. One of the things about the cheetah package that was so heartening last night when Alabama played Texas A&M was the discipline in rush lanes. Haynes King, even with a bad wheel, could have made Alabama pay if the four rushers got out of their rush lanes. That almost never happened. The pocket closed like a trap, hence the Haynes King airmail into the first row with no intentional grounding, was a thing. If Alabama can keep doing that against Hendon Hooker, then that's going to mess with Tennessee. One thing that Tennessee has not really seen much of is how much they can be off schedule because Alabama's run defense, even against a good offense, is going to be very, very good. I think that circumstance is going to bear fruit, but this game is a nip tuck affair because one thing that Alabama's defense hasn't seen Tennessee can blow the top off any defense in college football. How often? How well? What does that look like this upcoming Saturday in Knoxville, Drew?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the biggest challenge. I mean, you know, I, I knew that A&M would play hard. I think they've got a better defense than Tennessee. I think they've got a good front. I think their, their safeties are good. Their corners are getting better. I, I think Tennessee's entire back end is trash, especially with Burrell being out. But their linebackers are better. They've got a few guys up front that are pretty good. So Alabama's going to have to account for that, no question about it. But Alabama hasn't seen a quarterback like him Hooker, even Quinn Evers. By the way, guys, Quinn Evers played very, very well coming back yesterday. So Alabama was fortunate to knock him out. But I do think Texas is the next best offense Alabama has seen. It's just not as good as Tennessee's. But, you know, at least they've seen something like that. Now they're going to have to account for the mobility of Hooker, too. Uh, He's just a really, really good player. I don't understand why the Pro Scouts don't like him. I think it's because of the offensive scheme, but I think he's better, especially than some of these guys like a Will Levis. He throws a really nice deep ball. He hurt us last year with it before our team was able to pull away in the fourth quarter at home with this potent offense and the wide receivers we had. But so you know, these receivers are going to have to continue to step up. It's going to be interesting if we see Tyler Harrell or Aaron Anderson. We still didn't. Harrell practiced all week, but didn't get any time. We'll see about Aaron. Um, I, you know, William, I don't know if you agree with this. I, I'm just, I don't think Holden is all that I'd like to see his reps go down. I like Brooks. I like, uh, you know, certainly Burton, but I'd like to see his reps go down and, and get more of the younger guys in. I think they have more potential and more upside. Uh, I think they're tougher kids, uh, you know, and they can make some big plays, uh, no doubt. And I'm like you, I'd like to see Nye Black targeted. Um, I didn't expect to see Ty Simpson. I don't think he's ready yet, but I think he's got a bright future. Uh, just like Mac Jones, he needs more seasoning. Uh, and Milrow, I know he had the turnovers the first half. He didn't have any in the second half, and I thought he did enough good things. But and if they had, you know, called called a player two differently, and then as you said, played to his strengths a little bit more, probably would have done even better. Uh, but again, I just think overall he. He's never going to be a great passer, but he should have been. They should have coached him to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Uh, but we'll see. But I just think they got to have nine. If they have nine, he can give them a chance to pick these guys apart and get the ball to the receivers, and then the backs can still do some damage. Uh, the O line I think matches up well with the Tennessee front. But and and I, again, I'm not. I know 45-27 sounds like a blowout. It's not to me. It'll be. I think Alabama would salt it away late. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, a a tight game, and Alabama will pull away in the fourth quarter and finally ice it. I have a lot of respect for Tennessee's offense and Josh Heupel. I just think Alabama needs to play one of their best games, and I think they can do that. And if they can get a couple turnovers from Tennessee, they can win this. But they're also going to have to play turnover free against Tennessee. You can't give Tennessee extra possessions because of all their weapons. Uh, and what they do offensively. This is going to test Alabama's secondary, but I think they're up for it. And, uh, William, I'm going to be really interested to see how Alabama reacts. Luckily, they've already been on the road a couple times for some raucous environments. Uh, so, I, And I think dropping to third in the poll, it doesn't mean shit right now, but I think it can be motivation to the players. And there's going to be a lot of people doubting them because of the way they played against AM. So there are some things that Nick Saban and the coaching staff can go to to continue to get these guys ready to play and motivate them, and then hopefully, as we said, Alabama can be a little healthier and get nine and Jalen Moody back because I think they're going to need all hands on deck Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I just think this is going to be a tougher ball game. I, if I see it as a thirty-six to twenty-four um, type matchup. Yeah. But-
0: And I don't, and that's not a, I, I, that's similar to what I've got. I've got one other extra touchdown late, but yeah, I see it. I mean, it's not going to be a blowout from the word go. I mean, Tennessee's really potent and they're really good. I mean, offensively, they're, they're the best offense Alabama has seen. So I, I give them credit for that and for having home field. I just think Alabama's still got a little bit too much for them. And I think Alabama's due to play their best game of the season, which they have not. Uh, And so I think they may save this for Tennessee. So that's what I'm looking toward. And, Thomas, what kind of feel do you have for it? So
2: one thing I'm going to push back slightly. If the assumption is that Alabama will turn Tennessee over, Hendon Hooker has some crazy numbers where he's got like 50 touchdowns. Do what? Two turnovers. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, nuts. I mean, I'm just hoping they can create one or two. But,
0: yeah, it's nuts how he protects the ball. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like 50 touchdowns to three or four interceptions since he took over as the starter for the Volunteers. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't fumble or, you know, good Lord, we only saw that it against Texas A&M. But
0: well, he, he had almost two turnovers yesterday. That's where they were fortunate because – LSU got the ball loose a couple times, and if Alabama does that, they got to cash in on
2: it. And right. Getting one or two turnovers from that dude is like getting four. Right, right. And, I mean, again, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. I am saying that that's not something worth banking on, given the player involved. So, you know, that that's, that's neither here nor there. But the big thing that I've taken away from – the Texas A&M game and heading into the Tennessee game is if Jalen Milro plays, I think Alabama's going to lose. I, I just, I, don't doubt it. I, I, if he if he is the starter, you know. If, now I will say, I, I'll give you the score. I think it's going to be thirty eight twenty seven Tennessee. I think they'd ice it with a late touchdown, just a late bomb. But a couple of things before Alabama fans start blowing my Twitter up or the few fans that have my phone number start texting me angrily. One of the things that came out of last night's post-game festivities is that Bryce Young wanted to play near the end of the game and was asking coaches to play. And now, was that true? I have my doubts. But anyway, if that is true, then Bryce Young is pretty close to being back. And that's a really big deal because that means Bryce Young can play against Tennessee. The game flips, as I said before, if Bryce Young plays, because Bryce Young, as good as Hendon Hooker is, he does not have a Heisman Trophy in his trophy cabinet. And I think that he can turn Tennessee, you know, that offensive pressure that Tennessee generates. And what I mean by that is Tennessee's going to score. So you have to score with Tennessee. It's not very often that you see this Tennessee team have to be forced into a situation where they have to score with their opposition. It happened last year in Tuscaloosa, and they hung in there. I mean, that was a wild game. I was there, man. I'll never forget the haze of smoke over that stadium right around halfway through the fourth quarter as, as it kind of turned to its end. But anyway, I think Bryce Young will get the Alabama offense playing at a high enough level that they'll put pressure on the Tennessee offense to score with them and that could force some mistakes. You know, one other point, and then I'll give you my score on this one. Don't overlook the fact that as bad as the Arkansas pass defense is, you know, statistically a truly terrible group, Alabama and Bryce Young were on the way before his injury to probably something like a 400, 450 yard day with four, maybe five touchdowns. So, You know, look at the stats. Now, I realize you can't play out and just match everything, but Alabama was moving the ball effectively at the start of that Arkansas game. Arkansas and Tennessee, in terms of the back ends of their defense, are roughly similar in terms of statistical similarity. How they do it, different, whatever, not a big deal. But I think with Bryce Young, this game is a pure 100% boat race where, all right, guys. We're going to – we'll hit one one afterburner. Okay, you hit your one afterburner. Let's go to the second. Okay, let's, let's you know, push it all the way down and see if you can keep up. I have – this game I think is going to get out of hand in terms of score. I think Alabama wins with Bryce Young 45-41. I think it's going to be up wow. and down the field. I really do. Like, I know Alabama's defense is good, but – this Tennessee team is going to throw bombs. And if there's one thing that's gotten Alabama beaten in the past, it's bombs, where it's one-on-one and the offensive player is just a little bit better. I think this score is going to be through the roof. I think it's going to be very exciting. And I would not be surprised even with Bryce Young if Tennessee is either... If Tennessee or Alabama, whoever has the ball last, is pushing to lock this game away, I think these teams are gonna score in bunches. Now, one more thing. What would a blowout look like if Alabama were to beat Tennessee by two or two or three touchdowns? Long story short, Tennessee would struggle to stay on schedule and finish off drives. If you look at the Tennessee-Georgia game last year. Tennessee moved the ball pretty effectively, but they did a wonderful job of shooting themselves in the foot in such a way that they either turned the ball over, heading in, failed on fourth down, or had to kick field goals. And I think the Alabama defense and the Georgia defense are fairly similar in that regard. So what does it look like? What would need to happen something like that to play out. The Alabama defense forces Tennessee off schedule. And when Tennessee eventually goes up top, either the Cheetah package gets to Hendon Hooker and forces him off his spot, or he just is a little bit off because he starts hearing footsteps. Because one of the things that we haven't really discussed when it turned, when in terms of, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but something that really stood out last night against Texas A&M is... Keynes King was running for his life for two and a half quarters. He heard the footsteps in many cases. Hence my constant, you know, rabble, rabble, rabble point about his, uh, his intentional grounding or not. But anyway, if Hooker gets to that, this game radically changes. This game to me feels like a game of inches. But at the end of the day, if stuff starts going south for Tennessee... It's going to be a lot harder to claw back than it would be for this Alabama football team, Drew.
0: Yeah, I mean, it has the potential to be maybe an LSU-Alabama-2019 type thing, but if people remember, Alabama got a penalty with Trevon Diggs had a pick where they could have had a turnover, which could have changed the game early, to a fumble going into the end zone when Alabama was driving. So they're going to have to also help Tennessee if Tennessee's going to win this game, but I think Alabama can force a turnover or two. I'm not counting on a bunch, but I think they can force a mistake or two uh, from a hooker or even stripping someone of the football. It's going to be a tough game, but I'm looking forward to it. It's the first time since William Barger's days of 1989, when I think you're a red shirt in William, that both these teams come in undefeated. Uh, so this is going to be quite an atmosphere. And I know you were part, of some hellacious atmospheres in this rivalry.
2: Let me change my score real quick. Drop ten points off both thirty-five, thirty-one. Bam! If Bryce plays, but go ahead, William. I'm sorry.
1: Well, and listening to both of y'all talk, it just it just kind of dawned on me, and and I think that's what makes this such a tough, you know, prognosis. Is you know, we really don't even know what the potential of Alabama's offense is.
2: Yeah, you know, well, if, if right. You're, if right. You're,
1: right. If you Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about what we, you know, look, the first four games, you know, the wide receivers had the drops, the offensive line hadn't gelled, and they couldn't generate much of a running game. You know, that, that first quarter against Arkansas is, is really a, a small snapshot of what maybe it could be. You know, you had the running game, you had the passing game, and then Bam Bryce gets hurt. So, you know, I don't think we've seen them, you know, at their full potential, in their and obviously Bryce isn't going to be at full strength Saturday. Hopefully he'll be strong enough to, you know, make it four quarters. But, but yeah, Drew, going back to your question about the rivalry, um, you know, it's, it's one of the most storied in college football. Um, you know, I've told people this, and, you know, they look at me like I've got a unicorn horn coming out of my forehead. But, you know, back in the 90s, you know, it was so loud at Nealon Stadium. If if we were in a huddle together, me, you, and Thomas, and I was on one third of it, he was on the other third, and you were on the last third, y'all wouldn't be able to hear what I'm saying right now. And your ears would ring for two days um, after the game was over with, like you had been on the front row of a Ozzy Osbourne concert. Um, it, it's just a unique environment. And, 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 you know, certainly back then, um, you know, the the home games for Alabama were played at Legion Field and, you know, 20, 25,000 seats shorter than Neyland Stadium. You just didn't get the same effect. Um, But, you know, and and you're looking at a group of players um, that that probably don't even understand this rivalry because of how long it's been since Tennessee's been relevant. Um, So, you know, I I know – the, the the Tennessee players um, are, are probably sick of hearing about it, but, you know, and, and thank God these kids don't have to deal with the off week anymore because uh, it got old for two freaking weeks listening to Rocky Top in the cafeteria, listening to Rocky Top in the training room, the locker room, the indoor complex. I mean, you just, you know, got sick of it. Those were some very talented uh, you know, Tennessee teams uh, back in my day, the last couple of years, they had Heath Shuler at, at quarterback and a lot of great wide receivers, some great defensive linemen, obviously the running backs. Um, you know, they were an NFL. They were basically the Alabama um, that, that that is Alabama now under Nick Saban. I mean, you know, they, when you walked out onto that field, you were kind of like, shit, why don't I look like that? <laughs> um So, you know, but I think it's a little bit different now with with the way the landscape has changed. Obviously, you know, during the first part of Nick's tenure, it was LSU and then Florida and, um, you know, now Georgia, obviously. So I I do think if if you take the fan base out of it, especially those that are, you know, 40 and older, um, it still probably means more to them. Um, than it does from a from a tradition standpoint, than it does to these players. But then again, um, if you want to find out just how much
0: the the rivalry means, try losing one. Well, and I, just to, to clarify, you think Alabama can win this game with Bryce Young, but it's going to be a dog fight. Thomas said saying the same thing. Are we all in agreement though that if Milrow has to start, that Alabama does not win this game?
1: Um. I'm not willing to go that far, Drew. Um, okay. If you could if you could insert Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian as the play caller and the offensive coordinator, that would be a very daunting question for me right now because I, I don't think Jalen Milrow is as bad of a quarterback in a certain type of offense as some Alabama fans do today after what they saw last night. Now, if – You want to insert them into the Bryce Young offense or the Mac Jones offense,
0: yeah, they're probably not going to win this game. Gotcha. Well, I think we do think that I think it's 75% chance or more that Bryce will play. It was interesting that he was in uniform yesterday and pads. I think if if it had become a situation where Milrow had gone down, they would have gone to Bryce before they would have gone to uh, Ty. Uh, I think he will play in this game. And, again, I still like 45-27, 41-27, something like that. Uh, but a very tight game that Alabama puts away, you know, by the latter stages of the fourth quarter. And as Thomas said, he likes like 35-31 Alabama in a classic game. And, William, again, just for the clarity, what what did you say your final was? Uh, 36-24. to 36-24, same kind of situation and i think that 24 would be an outstanding defensive performance from alabama considering uh what this tennessee offense can do uh no doubt about it especially with cedric tillman uh coming back but also to end the show uh there was some recruiting news ryan williams i know it's just he's just a sophomore but his dad ryan williams the same name played uh for tuberville at Auburn. uh this is a guy that you know uh uh, his son is very talented, plays for Jeff Ke- Kelly at Sarah Lamb. They've got a pre sophomore class. Uh, Perry Uno Thompson at Foley is probably the best junior receiver in the state, already committed to Alabama. They played against each other. Ryan Williams visited yesterday. Now he's the best sophomore receiver committed. So Alabama continues to stockpile wide receiver talent, which is the reason they have to utilize it, which is why I think they need quarterbacks like, you know, Ty Simpson and, and certainly uh, to develop and then what Bryce is doing you got to be able to get the ball down the field to these guys certainly we're going to continue to see Milro develop but I just think he's always going to struggle with it because of his, uh, his passing ability is not consistent he has ability to make good throws and people keep forgetting even though he only completed 12 passes three were for touchdowns only one interception that I didn't think was bad so he did some good things, but I just think he's always going to struggle with the downfield passing game. But again, uh, I want to see how Ty develops. And, you know, these other QBs, they're bringing in the Eli Holsteins and the Ryan Lonergan's. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, uh, our Dylan Lonergan, pardon me, uh, but we'll see. But uh, again, excited about the commitment of Ryan Williams and we'll continue to monitor. We'll probably have more recruiting conversation next week as Keon Keeley is going to continue to, uh have reaction from his visit. I, th- I think he's staying through tomorrow morning. So next week's Bams will be wrapping up this Tennessee game. Could be the game of the year so far for Alabama. They've already been in a couple when you think about uh, what they had to do uh, to win this game. And then, uh, of course, what they had to do to beat Texas. And then even, uh, you know, going getting through the injuries against Arkansas. But this will probably be their toughest challenge. We'll definitely have reaction from that game coming up. Uh, next week on BAMS Radio and again more recruiting conversation uh, but for William Redfish Barger for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Rudy Arman, I think it was a very interesting show, brought you a lot of interesting takes and perspective from this 24-20 win over the Texas ATM Aggies, it's always good to beat Dirt Neck, they certainly did that but for thank you for everybody for continuing to support BAMS Radio I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday and uh, we'll come to you next week after the third Saturday in October, can Alabama make it sixteen in a row over the balls as they go into an undefeated environment for the first time since nineteen eighty nine? Gonna be very interesting. Good night, everybody, and roll tide.